Study after study shows the drug industry has influence over doctor prescribing, whether it be in sales reps dropping off brochures, to a catered lunch for the office staff, or even a company-sponsored medical conference. So just how should doctors deal with pharmaceutical industry influence of their prescribing? Welcome to the Physician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter for the Chicago Tribune, and with me today is Dr. Robert Pearl, the Executive Director and CEO of the Permanente Medical Group. As CEO of the largest medical group in the nation since 1998, Dr. Pearl is responsible for the healthcare of over 3 million Kaiser Permanente members. The medical group is comprised of over 6,000 physicians, 25,000 staff members, and operates 19 medical centers in Northern California. Dr. Pearl joins us today from his offices in Northern California. And Dr. Pearl, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Dr. Pearl, tell us, if you will, what has the Permanente Medical Group done when it comes to dealing with pharmaceutical reps in the drug industry that may be different in the country? Because both the industry and organized medicine, I've written a lot about this over the years, they have been addressing this problem. And have they done enough? What has Kaiser done and been doing compared to the rest of the country? I'll offer two thoughts. One, what we've done to prohibit the egregious practices of the drug and device manufacturers. And number two, I think also offer a vision of what's possible from a positive standpoint of how we best educate physicians using modern technology to accomplish that going forward, because we've done both as the Permanent Medical Group. The first two years ago, we passed the nation's most stringent conflict of interest policy. It essentially prohibits all of our physicians from accepting anything from a pharmaceutical or a device manufacturing company. We wanted to be certain that our patients had the confidence that physicians would be making only the best decisions for them and not making decisions based upon what might be in the interest of the physicians or based upon relationships where the physician felt a certain degree of accountability to the drug or device manufacturing representative. If you actually look at the process that these for-profit companies have, the first thing to note is that they've been the most successful companies in the financial world The increase in value actually has exceeded that of the technology companies and exceeded that of any other segment of the business world. And the reason is because this approach is very well thought through and very effective. The representatives, and I think one of the mistakes that people might come to is to think of them as being very knowledgeable, skilled experts. They're not. Most of them are college graduates who get trained for a very short amount of time by the pharmaceutical device company. And what they do is they establish a friendship with the physician. It's really not a question simply of giving the physician dollars to mispractice. That would be unethical and is prohibited by legislation. But it's the friendship and the relationship. And it becomes, what have you done for me lately? And by the way, I'll come and I'll bring you some food and I'll give you some gifts. And then if you prove to be someone, maybe it's a little bit like the organizations that sell products in the home, as you become someone who uses a lot of the products, now you get invited to their national meeting to give a little talk and all your expenses and that of your spouse is paid for. And then if you even use more, then you start to become a spokesperson for them. And you move up this echelon where essentially you're not doing anything wrong, but you have a lot of personal interest 
in maintaining that relationship with that particular product, the drug company, even if it turns out that a more cost-effective one comes along or a better one comes along. This is the relationship that you have, and you don't want to disappoint your friend. That's really what becomes the bond between the, the rep and the physician. And that's what we've broken by prohibiting that to happen because the tool that the rep uses is something, often a very small amount of, of money. You, know, you go back into history, the little black bag that one of the drug companies used to give out was just the means of establishing that kind of relationship and the dinner and the, and the, the game tickets and all the small things that now make you want to please that person. And the way to please that person, unfortunately, is at the expense of your patients, which is prescribing something that you might not otherwise have given or using a particular device that you might not otherwise have chosen. So that's what we did to prohibit that influence, and it's had a very, very positive effect. None of our physicians, in fact, all of our physicians, have felt very positively about this. Patients have a greater confidence in the care that we provide, and we have no evidence that it's had a negative effect from the lack of the availability of the representatives. Well, these are excellent points because a lot of times you, you'll hear from the pharmaceutical industry that, like, oh, you're denying people choice to the new and newer medicines, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess you guys have your own data showing, you know, the decline in heart disease and so forth, which is interesting. But you also bring up some important points that I always hear. You know, I cover the AMA meeting every year, and they've had their pharmaceutical guidelines, which are interesting in the fact that uh, some of them were actually sponsored by the brochures they put out were sponsored by the drug industry. But the docs always say, come on, I'm not going to be influenced by a pen. I'm not going to be influenced because my office staff makes seven bucks an hour and and they're getting subway. But what your point is, is that the stuff kind of builds up over time. That's what the doctor should be mindful of. Well, the data says that for every dollar the drug company spends, they get $10 of return. And every one of us believes that we couldn't possibly be influenced. But what we really mean by that is that we could not be outwardly bribed and bought. And that's true. But what we fail to understand is this subtle relationship that comes through friendship and through obligation. And what we ultimately end up reaching is a point in this very well-crafted, designed, in fact, tremendous amount of training, more training is given to the reps on how to win over the physician than over the products themselves, we actually get seduced, and that's probably the best way to put it, into wanting to support the desires or the goals of this friend of ours, and we help out in ways that are often not in the interest of our patients. But I, I would like to also point out, as I said, the positive side. You know, one of the things we did is we actually made available to physician groups, we call them departments in Kaiser Permanente, dollars to actually bring in the speakers they want to hear, not the speakers that the drug company wants to hear. So if they'd like to hear a presentation on a particular, as you say, heart problem, and that's why, as you, as you know, we've lowered the chances of our patients dying from heart disease 30% below the communities around us, they can bring in the speaker that they want to hear rather than having the drug company bring in a speaker who will say, use my product, use my device, if it was a device manufacturing company. Uh, we've made available a tremendous amount of information on the Internet. I mean, think about it. We're in the 21st century. Most information is transferred using technological advances today. We should be able to provide the best information to every physician in their office. This model of the drug rep driving out to the office that's left over from 100 years ago when doctors were practicing in these small towns. They didn't have access to national meetings. They didn't have access to the Internet. We can get information out on drugs 
literally in 10 minutes to every physician's desktop that otherwise in the past would have taken weeks, months, and often years to accomplish. So I think that the entire model of the drug representative, we have to think about as not an educational individual, as they may have been well into the past, but they're simply a salesperson. And the last thing I'll say, and this is where we have, do have an advantage as the nation's largest medical group, is that we have clinical experts. And so if we want to present information on a particular topic, we can have our clinical experts. And the question I pose to the drug companies when I get, at, when I get asked about it is, who would you rather have speaking to you if you're a physician, a world-famous subspecialist in infectious disease or a college graduate who majored in biology? Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our program, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. And my guest today is Dr. Robert Pearl. He's the executive director and CEO of the Permanente Medical Group, which is a part of Kaiser Permanente. He comes to us from his offices in Northern California. And we're talking about an issue that's been a hot-button issue for a few years, is the drug industry and its influence over physician prescribing and about that influence. And Dr. Pearl was just talking about something very interesting that Kaiser does. Kaiser, if physicians want to hear a speaker, Kaiser pays for the speaker. They bring the speaker in. And one of the things you often hear, though, is the fact that from drug companies and also from some hospitals and doctor groups, and they say, listen, if we didn't get some funding from the industry either through a grant or through a foundation, we wouldn't hear the speaker. So is that a legitimate argument? The people who are really paying the bill, and unfortunately they're paying 10 times more than it costs, is the patient. So no, I don't think it's a legitimate argument if you begin with how do we provide the best care to patients. Uh, What's happening right now, as you say, is that there's this hidden tax that patients pay because they get the more expensive medication, they get the unnecessary treatment, And sometimes, actually, they're paying a much greater price. As an example, the Vioxx problem that you're very knowledgeable about, we in Kaiser Permanente were the ones who did the research that demonstrated the greater risk from that medication than the prevention. And at the time that it was being, that we did that work to demonstrate the difficulties that had happened, I think something like 40% of the prescriptions that were being given out nationally were for that medication, clearly at the expense of patients. You may have read recently about the drug for heart problems that has no efficacy, this double medication drug that's being, again, touted by the manufacturer. You still see advertisements for it in the newspapers. And what we know is that patients are being harmed because there are at least two or three better alternatives that should be tried first, but they're not because the physicians have been induced to prescribe this as a first-line treatment. Well, I know that the pharmaceutical industry is open to more and, and new and different ways to market because the whole idea that drug reps are driving around in cars, talk about the high price of pharmaceuticals, I mean, gas is about $4 a gallon. They're doing different things. Are there areas where you would advise even the pharmaceutical industry or even doctors out there, are there ways that doctors can interact with these folks that would be, in your eyes, palatable? Well, we do a couple of things, I think, that are good. The first is that we do have what we call drug fairs, so that we would bring in large numbers of people from different companies under the aegis of the clinical experts, infectious disease for the antibiotics, as an example, the cardiologists for the heart medications, and that people who have questions uh, can certainly get them answered. Clearly, when you have the opportunity to ask a particular question, there may be someone in the company, not the drug rep, but someone in the company who has the information that you want, 
because, again, as a clinical expert, you're looking for that set of information. I would hope at some particular point that the pharmacy in this pharmaceutical world would evolve into one that would really be looking at how do we prescribe the best medications for patients rather than simply how do we have the greatest return to our shareholders. Unfortunately, I'm not optimistic that that day is going to come in the next couple of years. Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Robert Pearl, who's been our guest. He's the executive director and the CEO of the Permanente Medical Group, the largest physician group in a country with over 6,000 doctor members, which is a part of Kaiser Permanente in Northern California. And I would like to thank him for being with us today. I'm Bruce Japson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. We'd like to welcome you to make comments and offer questions about our show through our website at reachmd.com, which now features our entire medical show library and on-demand podcasts. And I would like to thank you today for listening.